This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to another episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Say hi to your mom for me. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a large orange hat on my head and a whistle. What's up? Not much. Just uh, been a boring couple of days (laughs) in the movie world. No news whatsoever. Today is Thursday, the 31st first of march although i'll probably wait to post this until next week uh, i'm going to be moving to a new bigger place over the next few weeks so not gonna have a whole lot of time plus easter is upon us so we got yeah. that to deal with and then um yeah so maybe this will be last episode for a few weeks maybe the last week of april we can get one out or first week in may yeah, I found out Easter's coming up because uh, I guess my brother's coming to town that weekend. Oh, nice. To go to his friend's cabin. And then uh, my mom's <laughs> like, are you going to come to Easter uh, Easter dinner on Sunday? And he's like, I guess. He's going to miss church kept, and just show up for dinner. I have not kept the faith these many years. But yeah, uh, so I found out when Easter is, is the moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> the 17th, I believe. Yeah. But I'm, uh, well, I mean, I grew up uh, traditional Easter, but now I'm in the, in the Orthodox church. So Orthodox Easter is a week after. <laughs> my, my one grandma was in the Orthodox church, but like we still did normal holidays. Mm hmm. Like, so I have two Easter's coming up. Got to go back home, see the parents, the family for Easter, and then do Easter all over again next week. I guess that works out for you because uh, you don't have to fight over who has to go to the in-laws for holidays because you both have <laughs> to go to both in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's just get into it. <laughs> Did you hear about what happened at the Oscars? Uh, I've heard a couple of nuggets here and there. This is why we watch the Oscars, Brett. Some movie that I've never seen that I've never seen advertised one best picture. Oh, that's an Apple TV plus joint. Yeah, I don't I don't have Apple TV plus. It ran in maybe a few theaters around here, but not any that I go to. We showed it at uh, my theater. I would have had to pay to see it in theaters. I well, not at mine. I choose not to do that. I get you in. <laughs> I would have had to go to Uptown to, you know, you just got to my... drive like a half hour from your place. I would have had to risk my life in the most violent <laughs> part of the city. <laughs> it was only that way for mm, six months. Where now it's not because it's just dead there. All the businesses are shut down. <laughs> Phrasing. Mm-hmm. It's dead there. 
Yeah, because of all the violent crime. <laughs> Certainly is. Although things are about to open, they're redoing Calhoun Square. Though it's not called Calhoun Square can, anymore. For, can they still? Can they still reasons. call that? No, um, I forget what they're going to call it, but it has a new name. Stella's is still there, I believe. And then the Uptown Theater is being repurposed to be a live event venue. I think for like concerts and whatnot. Interesting. Because they knocked down the wall to the businesses next to them. Huh. So they expanded, I guess, the whole inside of the, I guess that half of the block, basically. <laughs> and because uh, Gino Latino, they closed a while back. So they're on the, kind of the other end of the street. Because that hat place is gone. And I think there was a like a hair salon right next to that. And I think that's closed. Hmm. So they just kind of swallowed up those businesses and expanded the theater. So I hope that that new business venture crashes and burns for that asshole. <laughs> but um, Cowboy Jacks, I don't think has reopened since COVID. And then there's a Uptown Tavern, which is closed right now. It closed right around New Year's, maybe just after New Year's. The poorhouse closed uh, a month or two ago, and they're just kind of treading water, I guess. Hmm. They haven't said if they're going to reopen or not. Williams is still open. That's about it for that area. McDonald's still doing hella business there. (laughs) (laughs) Bathroom's open for everybody. (laughs) customer or not i don't know maybe they're not maybe not at that location funny thing is the there was a building that was built there was like a surface lot behind my theater and some developers built a like an office building there and i think the main tenant was we work <laughs> and they are not working <laughs> that is not open <laughs> wasn't that a scam that yeah i don't know there's that new uh movie on apple tv plus called we crashed i think with Leto, it's about the WeWork, I guess, business. I don't really know too much about it, but it seems like it didn't. Uh, it started off hot and uh, crashed and burned pretty much. I think I think it was that one, or maybe it was some other one like that where it was like the the uh, cooperative workspace. But I read an article not that long ago about like the CEO, like. Uh, he basically got a like billion. He got paid like a billion dollars to uh, back out of his share of the company, and then it just totally tanked because it was all it was all frivolous and bullshit. Like it was a completely unsustainable business model, mm. and it was just like uh, it was like the AMC A list. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was that uh, A list knockoff where it was like ten bucks a month and you get like unlimited movies? And it lasted for like six months. I think it was called Movie Pass. Movie Pass, yeah. <laughs> but it was like you can use it at every theater, and then like all the big chains are like, "Fuck you! You can't use that here." <laughs> it's like no. And then they all developed their own and and just squashed them. Yeah, that was another one. Like they had to be losing tons of money on that deal. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, get into the Oscars. The big winners is Coda. We were, we were all kind of thinking that Power of the Dog was going to be the big winner. And like little by little, it was just losing award after award. Like it won Best Director and 
Did it win cinematography? No, I think Dune did. Dune won okay. a shit ton. Yeah. A lot of time At least it stuff. felt like it. Yeah. The first half of the, the broadcast was like all Dune. Mm-hmm. Like all the visual effects, sound, score. Uh, I think they won cinematography. Editing, I think they won. Like all the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. But once I noticed, you know, Kristen Dunst didn't win for Power of the Dog. Jesse Plemons didn't win. Start thinking like there's a lot of awards that uh, it's missing out on. And screenplay. Yep. I mean, Campion won, of course. And the best director is a big indicator of who's going to win best picture. Not always, but it's a, it is a major indicator. But um, yeah, not the case. Coda won that best supporting actor, Oscar. Forget the, the man's name. Uh, but it was the first uh, male uh, deaf actor to win. For Marley yeah. Matlin was the first deaf actor. Uh, but yeah, um, Will Smith, <laughs> Chris Rock. Now you and I and a lot of people have speculated if it's real or not. Uh, Chad, a former guest on the show, Chad, he texted me about five, ten minutes after it happened. He's like, you watching the Oscars? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah uh he was kind of asked me you know what the what the fuck's going on and i said well i, I don't know like he slapped him and i i wouldn't put it past the academy to pull a stunt like this because of their shitty ratings but it seems pretty genuine and looking online for the most part it looks genuine but you know that was just 10 minutes after it happened and we've started to dissect it like the zapruder film more or less <laughs> but i don't know what, what do you think brett if you're a betting man do you think it's real or is it staged and if it was staged in what way man see i don't know my first instinct was uh fake now i don't know that could mean a lot of things right like they didn't necessarily have to plan it ahead of time it looked like it may have been a spur of the minute bit that Will was going to do. And then uh, the slap didn't look very strong. Uh, i tell you what, in live, in live action, I thought he threw a punch and he missed and he, and he smacked his own chest to make the sound effect. But he did make contact. You can see that in the slow-mo video. But it's very mm-hmm. weak contact. He, he, he got all fingertips and... Uh, uh, almost no follow through. So, and Chris, Chris Rock didn't sell it at all. And then on the, the live broadcast we got, they, they muted the broadcast. It actually like froze for a, a little bit and then they muted it. And, and so you didn't get the aftermath. Um, I think the aftermath of, of Will shouting at Chris Rock kind of swings it more towards the, uh, it being real. But then, like, they let him stay, and his speech was all about how he's about all about protecting his family now. And so then that's, like, a, another red flag. Like, maybe they did plan that, because this is awfully convenient that he comes up there and wins the Oscar, and his whole speech is about how he's got to protect his family, you know, 20 minutes after he slapped a guy for saying a joke about his wife's hair. Mm-hmm. But if you rewatch that acceptance speech, it didn't seem as planned or convenient as the first time because there's so much pausing he does while he's crying and whatnot. And 
Yeah. Like there's like five, 10 seconds of pause and he's trying to find the words. And then like, yeah, kind of joking, like, yeah, I'm art imitates life. I'm just like uh King Richard, you know, uh the cra- you know, the crazy dad. Love will make you do crazy things. Did you know Richard Williams is still alive? Yeah. I thought he mm-hmm. died like years ago. No, oh, no. You're thinking of Earl Woods. No, I know Earl Woods has been dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought Richard Williams died. I guess he just had a stroke. These famous, like, uh, like overreaching parents, overbearing. Uh, what would you describe? Because Earl Woods and King Richard are kind of the same. A little bit, yeah. Because Earl really pushed Tiger, too. Yeah. But I, I read Richard Williams had a stroke several years ago, hmm. which was just probably what I was thinking of. Either that or it's a Mandela effect. But then it's like he's got a son who speaks on his behalf. And like, so they had his reaction to it, but it was like through the sun. So I don't know like how with it Richard Williams is and how much of that is actually his own thoughts. But uh, anyways, I think Will Smith crying for that long leans it towards being real. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know, maybe he pulled the slap. Like he got up there and he was going to do it as a joke and then like it hit him like what he actually did and like maybe he hit him harder than he thought he was going to or but i don't know like there's so many different things uh going on there um and obviously like i'm a i'm a long time lifelong pro wrestling fan so i i feel like i have some experience in pointing out fake beefs yeah and so like it felt really fake in, in real time to me um and then the speech was, you know, I was starting to go the other way after I saw some of the, the videos of him yelling, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Uh, but then the speech was like, man, you guys fucking planned this, didn't you? Like, you're going to go backstage and hand Chris Rock a wad of cash. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he expected to get out of it because he looks weaker, in my opinion, than he did before. Um, and it does nothing to to improve his uh his uh, reputation as a cuck uh which i think is <laughs> why he ran up there in the first place yeah so i don't know like it's it's hard for me to say definitively one way or the other who made the joke earlier uh, was it regina hall or wanda sykes about uh their marriage about how will can come up here because i think jada approves yeah 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 regina hall was uh pulling all the single oscar nominees up and I think all the single hunky up. men yep and then she started she proceeded to molest them on stage because that's that's funny <laughs> that was pretty funny yeah like hollywood's got a fucking image problem with sex sexual abuse but it's okay because it's a woman doing it <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> it's funny it's funny that way he didn't run up and slap uh, Regina Hall. But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say uh, one way definitively or the other. Because I don't know. But Did you hear about that Zoe Kravitz controversy? No, but I did, I did want to get in one more thing. The, okay. the Academy came out and they said, we asked Will to leave after he slapped Chris Rock and he refused. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... 
so (laughs) (laughs) do you not have security like what the fuck what if it was just a regular person that ran up on stage and slapped somebody like you don't have any security like they could just go up and and do shit like that and then refuse to leave and you're just like my hands are tied we have to give him an award now (laughs) (laughs) and we have to put him on national tv even more that was another thing they didn't cut away from it either like they they kept cutting to will smith and it's like yeah if it was real i feel like they wouldn't have given him more screen time after he he went up and slapped a presenter but it it is a zoe kravitz thing well she (laughs) so she had said something about how the slap thing was sickening or didn't approve basically and then people started calling her out because of like this old older interview she did for when I think she was 24 and Jaden Smith was 14. And she talked about how, you know, she hung out with Smith family and has been friends with them for a long time. And how I read it was, it seemed like in the interview, she was revealing an inner monologue that she was having with herself in regards to Jaden. And how attractive he was, but he's 14. So you can't be, that's inappropriate to think that way. But apparently it seemed like she was attracted to 14 year old Jaden Smith, but I don't think they ever did anything about it. They didn't date. It seemed like they didn't, you know, nothing like that. It's, it it seemed like she was just revealing her thoughts. I, I do remember reading that now that you bring it up. And yeah, it was like, I spent so much time with this kid. You forget. You know, he, he acts so mature, you forget how young he is. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like her inner thoughts, like, she's like, oh, man, it would be cool to hang out with this kid. And like, no, can't, can't say that. You know, he's so handsome. Oh, wait, he's 14. <laughs> like, that's weird if I say that. But uh, so yeah, it seemed more like, innocent to me. But people were like, oh, she's a predator, sexual predator. <laughs> like, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's like, well, she she said that she you know had a fleeting thought and then was uh, immediately self-corrected before she acted upon it mm-hmm. you know and it's like i don't know i didn't think it was as bad as people were trying to make it out to be yeah back to the slap so <laughs> i kind of missed it because i was looking down on my phone trying to tweet and i was composing a tweet and then like you kind of hear the, you know, the slap and like the, whoa, you know? Yeah. And I look up and then it's just, you know, like you said, they, they cut the audio for like 15 seconds. It felt like Fifth a minute. I think it was like 30 <laughs> seconds, but it felt like a minute. And I knew I was like, oh shit, something just happened. And then when it cuts back, that's when Chris Rock said the greatest night in history of television, hmm. I knew something huge happened and so i go to twitter trying to you know because i just tweeted you know what the what happened and i look at the tweets and everyone is just tweeting what the hell just happened you know right and then the clips start rolling in a couple of minutes later but just how awkward everything was leads me to believe that it was real is even playing devil's advocate Okay, obviously the Academy benefits from the ratings boost. And there was a did you see the the ratings like by the hour? Like it's it started out, I think, decently. Well, better than last year's low of just over 10 million. 
but it was like meandering down. And I think it had dipped below like 10 million viewers. And then after the slap, like five, 10 minutes later, it was up to like 18 million almost. <laughs> almost doubled the audience. Right. Everyone's talking about it, of course. So yeah, like yeah, the Academy is something to gain for the ratings bump. However, I think if they were going to do that, they would have, because you got these two actors, right? Well, at least one really good actor. And I think you would do something that could be aired. They don't want to bleep out all that audio. They don't want to have to dump it. There's to keep my wife's name out your mouth. You know, yeah. could have just said something like that. Chris rock was like, like I say, like, Will he could cry. He's an actor, but Chris rock is not a very good actor. He's very funny, but he's not a good, although in top five, he's more of a dramatic type. He has more of a dramatic role and he's decent in it, but it's not like he's award worthy or anything. And he's flustered right after it happens. You can tell this seems genuine to me. You know, when he says was probably trying to say that was the greatest moment in the history of television. He says the greatest night. He says we're here to hand out a documentary, or I mean, uh, uh, hand out an Oscar to the documentary for best documentary. Like he can't. It's like he's shocked. He, he's in shock. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> um, and he's like, "Oh, let's just just roll the nominees." I mean, I thought he handled it well. Off of, I mean, something so unprecedented. Yeah, just come out of nowhere. I also feel like Will Smith didn't really know what he was even going to do when he got up there. Cause yeah, everyone's kind of pointed out that he was kind of laughing at first, just like everyone else. And he kind of smiling on the way back a little bit, but then yeah, almost like crying too. And then it's just immediately yelling, you know, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. See, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, when I say it feels fake, it doesn't necessarily mean that the academy was behind it or that it wasn't like spur of the moment improvisation but like the the slap looked like it was worked like it didn't look like a like a full force slap um and chris rock may have genuinely be, been flustered because it was something that will just jumped up and did but uh, again i guess you could say that's real too because he went up there spur of the moment and slapped him in the face and uh and then neither one really knew what to do from there so i thought it was good i thought it was like an improvised bit and and then i i don't know maybe will just broke you know like mm -hmm. but i don't know it, it there's a lot of nuance there's a lot of nuance there when you're saying is this real or fake like there's mm -hmm. a lot of gray area you don't slap a man what do the five fingers say to the face? What? Everybody, King Kong ain't got shit on me. I'm standing there thinking, this nigga really is lost. His First of all, you don't slap a man. Okay. I mean, even when slapping was fashionable, it, you know, they did it in Paris, the guy would come up, I'm at, I challenge you to a dude. They would have a gunfight after that. You had somebody had to go. Yeah, uh, what do you think should happen? I think I don't think his award should be taken away. 
but I think he should get kicked out of the academy or at least like a suspension from the awards for, I don't know, a certain number of years. Like he, I guess he could be nominated, but not allowed to attend that sort of a thing. He should just be relegated to making bright sequels. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's already doing that. So <laughs> no more prestige pictures for Will Smith. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't, you know, all things considered, I don't necessarily care what they do to him. I just thought it was strange that they just let him go up there and then he, there were zero consequences whatsoever in this in the moment. Yeah. Like, and then like people were tweeting, like, oh, Denzel and whoever else went and comforted him, went and comforted Will Smith. And I'm like, did anybody comfort Chris Rock? He's the one that got slapped in the fucking face. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, I don't know. Like people are saying, oh, he crossed the line. She has alopecia. Everybody knows that. Like, I didn't know that. Like, why would I know mm-hmm. that? And uh and I understand alopecia is an autoimmune disorder, and you know, nobody wants it. But at the same time, this is something that she was diagnosed with, I believe, in 2018. So it's kind of recent. She talked about it on her podcast or whatever, semi-recently within the past couple of years. But even before the diagnosis, she's gone bald before and had other hairstyles that had really, really short hair. And she's always looked good. I didn't even think it was offensive. So I don't see like the issue. Like when I think of Jada Pickett Smith, I picture her with short hair. Yeah. More often than I do like long hair. And I, I didn't even think it was an offensive joke. Cause it's like, you look like GI Jane. Okay. It's kind of because she's bald, but also because she's like in really good shape and she could play a fucking Marine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is that that insulting? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like she did the eye roll thing and then like off camera, she gave Will the, you know, the, the look like you got to go do something apparently. But I forget uh, which comedian uh, tweeted this, but somebody was criticizing it, criticizing the joke. And he said, comedians don't have the fucking medical records of the audience, you know? Yeah, it's I not think their it, job to fucking know everyone's medical history. I think that was David Spade. And okay. he's right. <laughs> like, like, how are you, like, you're just riffing off what people look like. And even like that, the Oscars, he probably prepared it, but like, you know, he, he could have done so many other different jokes and, uh, mm-hmm. Like it was super tame. Like I don't even think I don't even know why she would be offended by it. To be honest, like you could have made so many other jokes about being bald. It actually reminded me of when Kevin Garnett called uh, Charlie Villanueva cancerous to the, his team in our league, and Charlie thought he called him a cancer patient, <laughs> <laughs> which he which he probably did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like what about regular you know guys that are just bald that's not something they can control yeah tell me about it they made fun of one of the bald males there they make they fun of say, bald oh. dudes all the time <laughs> it's hacky how is that right you should start slapping people to make fun of bald people from now on brett i do stand up <laughs> stand up for your race I want to boycott movies that 
they cast uh, full full head of hair actors to play bald characters. But like Jared Leto is like one of my favorite performances last year. And uh, I just rewatched Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Johnny Depp is like one of the best performances ever. <laughs> I'm like, man, I really want to be mad at these guys for taking roles from actual bald actors, but uh, I can't. All right. Well, I think we discussed the the infamous slap heard around the world enough. But uh, yeah, let's move on. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? So I completed the movie challenge for Savages. I'll go last, but I think we'll do a a truncated version of recently seen. So we'll each talk about two movies uh, besides the uh, movie challenge. So um, I guess I'll go first. I'm going to talk about a couple of 80s movies. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is from 1984, The Wild Life, directed by Art Linson, written by Cameron Crowe in his follow-up to Fast Times, starring your boy Chris Penn, Island Mitchell-Smith, Eric Stoltz, Jenny Wright, Leah Thompson, Brian Berliner, Rick Moranis, Hart Bachner, or Bochner, who you would remember from Terror Train and Ellis on Die Hard. Nice. So we found another movie he's in because he's not in much. <laughs> it's quite the cast. Yeah. Um, Susan Rennell, Michael Bowen, Randy Quaid, my favorite, Sherilyn Fenn, has a cameo in here. Is she old enough to have you lusting after her in that movie yes she is 19 in this film <laughs> i had to look it up to make sure it was okay because she plays a high schooler in the 90s <laughs> yeah in the 80s oh yeah well 89 90 91 yeah ben stein's in here and kevin peter hall who you know as predator he's, he's predator yes took over for jcvd He's also a helicopter pilot, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Ted White's in here, too. He was Jason in, uh, God, which one? I forget now. He's one of the Jasons. Um, Synopsis. High school wrestler parties with his buddy at a swinging singles apartment complex. That's not really what it is, but... (laughs) So this is, I, I've read that this is a, kind of a spiritual sequel to Fast Times. None of the same characters, but it's just two years after Fast Times and it takes place in Southern California and it's, a bunch of, and it's a bunch of kids in their late teens, kind of just getting out of high school, going to start getting into college. Seems like everyone's between their senior year of high school and college, basically. They're getting their first taste of freedom. You know, they're moving out of their parents' houses. It's like Eric Stoltz gets a, an apartment with Chris Penn, who he works with at the bowling alley. This movie has kind of like a, I guess, a meandering plot, kind of in the vein of eh, maybe Fast Times, more so like Days of Confused, where it's, I know Days of Confused is only takes place over like a one 24-hour period, where this is like basically a summer kind of. But it kind of, it, like the plot doesn't really go anywhere there <laughs> it's just 
kids in their late teens exploring uh, independence and love and partying, yada, yada, yada. Like on one hand, I don't think this is that great of a movie, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. There's so many scenes that I was rewinding over and over again because I was laughing my ass off. Um, I won't get into a lot of it, but I, I did tweet one out that nobody really cared about. I guess the tweet was at about one in the morning, but <laughs> it was like Chris Penn's, well, I guess the second scene that he was in. And I just captioned it saying that true cinema needs no audio. And like, there's so many things in this movie that don't make sense, but hilariously. So just nonsensical, I guess, decisions that these kids are making or what they're doing. Like in this scene that I tweeted out, Chris Penn is, uh, he shows up for work. He goes into the bathroom and he reaches into his pants and he's like, what, what's he doing here? And he pulls out his uh, athletic support or his cup, his nut cup, which he's hidden a joint in. And so he's, he lights the joint up in the bathroom, puts it in his mouth, smokes like a few quick puffs, and then just flicks it back into his mouth and swallows it. <laughs> just like it's, that's what you do because you're living the wildlife. You know, and that's not the first time somebody eats a joint <laughs> or a cigarette butt. That's weird. It's like, that's like a strange fascination with these characters act trying to act tough for these guys are wild. <laughs> I guess it's almost like it's a, uh, it's not a so bad. It's good. Cause there's good things about it, but it's kind of a meandering film, but one that I couldn't take my eyes off of. So I loved it, and I'm going to give it a soonish. Soonish. It became right. soonish. I had a blast with the wildlife. Nice. It's Chris Penn. How can you turn down Chris Penn? Chris Penn. He 80, was the best. 80s Chris Penn. It was the 84. Isn't that the same year he uh, he did uh, Footloose? Footloose? Yeah. Where he played a gay character, but then they weren't ready to come out of the closet at the end. <laughs> let's dance i will argue that till the end of time that kevin bacon and chris penn's characters and footloose were gay for each other but they were <laughs> there was one step at a time first allow dancing and then later we'll we'll get the gay stuff approved and then uh, and then we can come out and make out at the school dance uh speaking of footloose I saw something advertised the other day and I asked my wife to get it for me for my upcoming birthday at Chan Hassan dinner theaters. They're doing uh, footloose the musical. Oh, I think I saw that commercial. I think they showed that during the Oscars. It's like Tony nominated play musical footloose. And uh, for you listeners at home, uh, Chan Hassan dinner theaters Yes. Well, it was the location where Steve Buscemi took his prostitute uh, out on a date in Fargo to see Jose Feliciano or Feliciano, however you say his name. And then um, it's also the place where Amy Adams got her start. She was performing there in the mid to late 90s. And then she got one of her first roles was uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, also filmed in Minnesota. So I believe I actually saw her perform. Um, I went there. We used to go there for band class back in middle school. So I saw two plays there 
This would have been between 97 and 99. And I believe that's when she was performing there. But I would have to, I'm not sure if I still have like the programs. I think I do somewhere like in some old school files. I'll have to look it up and see if she's on the cast list, but I digress. Yeah. I'm going to try and uh, see Footloose, the musical. There you go. I think that'd be up my alley. I don't know how they're going to handle that uh, tractor scene. <laughs> we'll have to cut it out. <laughs> you can't cut that though. I'm sure they will probably be like just a uh, cardboard, you know, as I said in my letterbox review, that tractor scene, it was 1984's greatest contribution to cinema. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember on I Love the 80s, that was a big, big selling point was the tractor scene. <laughs> and they broke it down about how slow the tractors actually go and like how unexciting it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like they go five miles an hour. <laughs> like it wouldn't even be exciting like you just bump and then like nothing would happen <laughs> all right anyway. what did you see recently brett i went to the theater to see a 2022 release called x mm. porn well kind of um written and directed by ty west starring mia goth jenna ortega Brittany Snow, Kid Cuddy, uh, Martin Henderson, Owen Campbell, Stephen Year, James Galen, uh, Simon Prast. And the synopsis is, in 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. So like at first sight, this seems like it should be right up my alley. It's got that fake grindhouse look, real uh, grainy looking film. And uh, you can tell they took a lot of influence from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in fact, there are several scenes that they seem to have uh, recreated uh, exactly as they are in... Uh, or at least shots, not necessarily full scenes, but um, different shots that they've recreated directly from te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It also feels a little bit like uh, Boogie Nights with the uh, adult film crew and uh, a little bit like M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit. Um, so th- this this movie, like, it looks great. You can tell it, it's heavily influenced by actual movies made in the late seventies. Um, but it, it kind of promises a lot of stuff that I didn't feel like it, uh, it, uh, backed up that it, um, actually, uh, provided like it starts with, with the, the opening scene is the aftermath of the, uh, the massacre, if you will. And mm-hmm. there's bodies and blood everywhere. And so you're expecting this big bloodbath. And uh, they cut to 24 hours ahead or uh, 24 hours before that. And you get the kind of the, the film crew uh, on their way to the ranch and then checking in. And then you meet the old people 
who look a lot like the uh, grandma and grandpa from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. But they look really fake too. Like, like they don't look like real old people. They look like people in makeup. Um, but then you spend like a really long time with the crew shooting their film. And I didn't, I didn't find any of the characters particularly that interesting. And I think if you're going to spend that much time just kind of hanging out with the characters, like you got to make them at least people that you want to hang out with or find interesting in some way. And it really didn't feel that way. And I would have been able to forgive that. But once all the the stuff starts picking up with the um, the the horror elements and the violence, like there, there's maybe one kill where it's really gory and bloody. But then like there's a lot of time between the 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 kills and mm-hmm. it really kills the momentum uh and like you never really build up to a climax and uh i feel like a lot of the the violence was really tame for what they kind of promised or what they alluded to uh was going to happen so i thought that was a bit of a letdown too and then there's a subplot involving the the elderly couple which i found completely bizarre and it it took me out of the movie and i I guess people are reading something deeper into that than I am, but even so, like, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care for it, and I felt the motivations of the uh, the killers was uh, muddled. Like, it didn't make sense mm. to me. Um, so I was disappointed. Um, and in fact, it it leans so much into the homages to other movies. It made me want to go back and watch those movies instead because they're better. Like it reminds me of better movies. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would recommend going back and watching those other movies that, that it borrows from. Um, maybe check this out if you're interested, but like I said, I, I was disappointed with it. It, uh, it over promised under delivered that, you know, they, they could have edited a lot more, tightly to make a better uh, experience um so i'm gonna give x a last resort that's a last resort yeah i was really excited for this uh when i saw the trailers and you, you didn't really care for it too much and but i haven't really heard anyone who does either so it's really tempered my expectations i loved uh, ty west's uh, at least his early work with the house of the devil i loved that uh, the sacrament I, I enjoyed. Um, the innkeepers I wasn't a huge fan of. I've heard people wax poetic about that, how great it is. And I'm just like, no, no, it's pretty boring. He did a, one of the segments in VHS that I enjoyed. Some of his more recent stuff I haven't seen in a valley of violence. Uh, so it kind of seems like he's gone downhill a little bit. He's done more TV. Um, kind of gotten out of the horror. G- well, I mean, not necessarily out of the horror game because he's done some horror television, mm-hmm. but um, out of the film game until recently now with X. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess I'm going to, I'm still going to see it, but I have to wildly temper my expectations, I guess, even though it got incredible Rotten Tomato scores, which as we know, or I guess too well nowadays, it doesn't mean shit, but. Right. 
I, I've seen some people rave about it, and I'm like, like they're like, oh, it's super gory and bloody and violent, and I'm like, this is really tame for what they're what they're advertising, mm-hmm. uh, is what I felt. I haven't really seen anything else that Ty West did. I saw VHS years and years ago. I couldn't tell you what his segment was about. Yeah. Um, I just remember not caring for that movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's very uneven. But yeah, this, this is really the first Ty West movie that I saw. And uh, I really wanted to like it. Like I went in and I'm like, man, I'm going to like this. And even like watching the first part of it where it's just like, all right, we're just going to hang out with these guys shooting porn films for a while. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'll forgive it if we, you know, really turn it up here at the end. And you uh, just it fell flat. Yeah, you might enjoy uh, House of the Devil. Came out in 09, but it takes place in 83. But it has that, uh, that kind of that late 70s horror aesthetic. Um, it's kind of filmed that way and the the style, everything is kind of late seventies ish. And that one's a very slow burn as well. Like there's kind of a murder early on, like it's kind of comes out of nowhere. It's shocking, but then like everything else is just a very slow burn until at the end when it kind of goes nuts. So if you're up for a slow burn kind of seventies throwback, you can check that out. But the sacrament was actually uh, based off of Jim Jones and his group. Like the main character in there, I guess the cult leader, his name isn't Jim Jones, but it's everything is modeled after him basically <laughs> to a T. So it's basically just a kind of a retelling of that whole uh, Jonesboro was the name of his uh, place right, in yeah. South America, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a retelling of that basically. So, all right, um, moving on. I saw a film from 1989 phantom of the mall eric's revenge directed by richard friedman starring derek Rydal, 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 jonathan goldsmith rob estes Polly shore morgan fairchild gregory scott cummins tom fridley carrie whitman and Ken Forey, or is it 4A? I think it's 4A. Okay. I just want to say Morgan Fairchild. Every time I hear about her, I just think of when she was on Home Improvement. And uh, Al was like a big star for a while. They wanted him in a MOW. And he's like, oh, man, I love to mow. What am I mowing? And like, no, it's a movie <laughs> of the week. You're going to be starring with Morgan Fairchild. It's like Morgan <laughs> Fairchild. I love Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lifetime movie of the week or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love to mow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, synopsis. Uh, a man loses his home and suffers life-threatening burns from a fire deliberately set by commercial real estate developers vying for his property. Spoilers. <laughs> One year later, a shopping mall opens on the land and a series of murders begins. Was his name Eric? It is. <laughs> uh, this is uh, just a remake of you know Phantom of the Opera, but it's an 80s horror remake in, um, at the mall. 
which is just perfect. Uh, this movie is just the right amount of cheese. Uh, never takes itself too seriously. It's got a perfect late eighties synth score to it. <laughs> As you would uh, like to say, it's, it's a subdued performance from Polly shore, which is interesting. <laughs> he's not his uh, typical weasel self. Like a little, he's kind of jokey, but he isn't full weasel at all. He doesn't hit it be before he really like hit it big though. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was on MTV by that time. Okay. He's a VJ, but he doesn't know. Do the, he's not doing the weasel <laughs> stuff like that, you know, and saying grindage and talking about buds and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was just uh, this movie was so much fun. There's going to be a lot of clips I drop on this podcast now coming from this movie uh, for obvious reasons. Well, no one ever believed me. No investigation, nothing. Eric was murdered and nobody cared. There's some really cool uh, stunts in here. Like they just let the camera kind of show the whole stunt. And I mean, it doesn't matter if it's, a, it's, it's all practical effects, you know, and everything just looks great. I mean, there's stuff that looks cheesy, but it's still uh, so much fun. And there's everything is just so entertaining. And to top it all off, it's filmed at the Galleria, our favorite, the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Yes. Love the Galleria. Also, uh, filming location of Chopping Mall, another 80s horror film, but you and I were both kind of lukewarm on that. Yeah, right? chopping, chopping Mall was a dud. Yeah, it was a big letdown for me. I was disappointed. I'd watch it again, but I was disappointed. People really built up Chopping Mall like, oh, it's so great. You got to see it. And then it's like, not much happens in there. Like, it's kind of mm-hmm. boring. So uh, Commando also filmed at this Galleria Terminator 2. They say that's the Galleria, but I don't know if that was shot at the Galleria. We'd have to check on that. I think it was because they, they, they went into the parking garage. They have a pretty distinct parking garage. Okay. Because for Eric's Revenge here, uh, the exteriors were at a different mall, but all the interiors were the Sherman Oaks Galleria. So that's why I was like, I, I recognize those interiors <laughs> mostly from Commando, but I was going to look because I just rewatched Last Action Hero and like in the movie, within the movie, the police station is obviously in a mall. I was going to look to see if that also was shot at the, gal- the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to when I watched this, I found I was the gallery. Then I went on a deep dive in the gallery uh, rabbit hole. And when we had that summer of Arnold, all three movies, there was a scene at the Galleria. <laughs> it was Commando, Terminator 2, and then Total Recall, which was a futuristic. They just say he's, he's at the Galleria. So you can't yeah. really tell. I mean, they probably didn't even film it there because it was just a big set. Right. It didn't even look like a mall, really. It was just like a, I don't even know how to describe it. But, um, uh, what else? Oh, I was I was thinking, you know what? The beginning of Kindergarten Cop, he's at a mall. I wonder if that's the Sherman Oaks Galleria. And I looked it up and it is not. And I was very disappointed. It was really but, disappointing. Because he's a cop in L.A. before he I think he goes to. Maybe not because he's he's a cop. He's not a federal agent, right? 
Although, because well, uh, no, that was filmed in like I think Washington State or Oregon, one of the two. Yeah, I think it's set in the Pacific Northwest, but I don't remember what his. Um, so I'm saying if he was a cop, he couldn't was. have been in L.A. Couldn't have been at the Galleria, but he's at a mall. So let's we could say Arnold goes to the mall in like every movie, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love the Galleria in the film. <laughs> Uh, looks great in here. You can you actually watch this movie for free on YouTube. Although I wouldn't, I can't speak to its quality. It looked passable when I glanced at it, but I saw it via digital download. I bought it for three dollars, only because it's only available basically via Arrow Blu-ray, and I believe it comes out. It might have come out just now. Either that or it's early April. I think it's end of March, early April. Well, I didn't want to pay 40 bucks for <laughs> she's the 80s movie I haven't seen yet. Right. I probably would pay now, which is kind of sad, but uh, I think I saw it on sale for pre-orders for like 28. But I thought, yeah. well, let's just the three bucks is like a rental. You know, I might as well just just watch it first. And yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I'll definitely buy the aerial Blu-ray, get some special features because there's nothing with that digital download. I got mm. it through iTunes. But uh, yeah, I will give it a WTM soonish. Soonish. So two awesome eighties movies that maybe aren't necessarily great movies, but very entertaining. All right, my next movie also a twenty twenty two movie called Uma. Uma, which is U M M A, which is apparently Korean for mother. And I already like a movie called Mother, so. <laughs> Uma is written and directed by Iris K. Shim, and it stars Sandra O, oh, Fievel Stewart, Dermot Mulroney, Odea Rush, Tom Yee, and Miwa Alana Lee. And the synopsis is Amanda and her daughter live a quiet life on an American farm, but when the remains of her estranged mother arrive from Korea, Amanda becomes haunted by the fear of turning into her own mother. You may have seen my review on Letterboxd, if you follow me on there. This is like if those uh, insurance commercials about turning into your own parents were uh, Korean, because it's a horror movie about turning into your own mother. <laughs> but <laughs> So like Sandra Oh, she was uh, abused by her mother as a child. And so she uh, she moved to America, changed her name, and she's a single mother of a, a teenage daughter. And uh, they live on a farm, and uh, they have no electricity, and they kind of just they, they raise bees uh, and, and harvest honey is their business. And uh, her daughter is starting to uh, think about leaving the home to go to college and kind of get out in the world. And uh, at the same time, Sandra O's mother's remains are, are dropped off at her house by her uncle and just left there. And uh, I, I, it's, it appears to be based on Korean folklore, where if you don't give your uh, relatives a proper burial, they'll basically haunt you and uh, all of their pain and uh, suffering they'll impose onto you. 
And part of that is like she starts turning into her mother mm-hmm. and uh, starts to exhibit some abusive behavior to her to her own daughter. It's a pretty straightforward movie. It's only an hour and twenty three minutes, so it's pretty short. But it's it it doesn't like hurry either. It's a little bit of a slow burn for such a short movie, but it stays on plot. It doesn't kind of get off topic, and it, it, I feel I thought it did a really good job with it. Uh, that was really effective. I thought the the folklore was pretty great. There's some uh, pretty cool special effects in there. And I thought the performances were fantastic. Yeah, pretty solid horror movie. Um, not not the best horror movie, but I, I would still recommend seeing it. WTM eventually. Eventually. All right. Well, I completed the movie challenge for Savages. So the film came out in 2012, directed by Oliver Stone, starring Aaron Taylor Johnson, Taylor Kitsch, Blake Lively, Benicio Del Toro, Nana Agana, Jana Baker, Gary Stretch, Shea Wingham, uh, John Travolta, Damian Bashir. Oh, and I can't forget Salma Hayek. Yeah, they got the cast in a weird order on there. Must be by yeah. uh, appearance, uh, sort of by uh, importance. Uh, synopsis Pot growers Ben and Chan face off against the Mexican drug cartel who kidnapped their shared girlfriend. So, the biggest problem with this movie is Taylor Kitsch's name, Chan. It annoyed me the whole movie. <laughs> A couple of times I was like, okay, are they saying Sean or Chan? And I had to look it up. I'm like, okay, it is Sean. So just a nonsensical name for a white dude. But yeah, it was I was <laughs> like, why the fuck is his, his name Chan? Like they really emphasize the ch in some of them, like Chan. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even remember being phased by that. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot of a lot of white dudes named Chan, do you? Or anyone named Chan? Doesn't even have to be white, I guess. I don't even remember if it's uh, I don't remember it phasing me at all. Like it was just like, <laughs> oh, that's his name. Okay. <laughs> um so uh, I was excited to maybe get back into the Oliver Stone swing of things. Uh, but this movie didn't really do it for me. I wouldn't say it's terrible by any means. I'm trying to think of what I thought of it when it came out originally. Because at that time it was just I was just uninterested in anything Stone was doing at the time. So I just kind of said, oh, who cares? It didn't get great reviews, but it wasn't panned or anything. It wasn't a very big hit either. This was kind of like the, the start of those string of Taylor Kitsch flops. where He was on so many projects and the, every one of them just bombed. And they're like, okay, Taylor Kitsch, you can't make movies anymore. Well, this was after uh, John Carter. I think this was the maybe the first one he did after john carter okay because after this he did uh well he was in that season two true detective that was much maligned uh what else did he do that was i remember there was an article talking about how you had three failures in like one year and they're like oh battleship right battleship john carter he did (laughs) and savages came out in 2012 yeah and they were all (laughs) well john carter Battleship, especially, because I would believe that Savage is had a much smaller budget. 
Let's see what it says here. Okay, budget forty-five million estimated. Worldwide, it got eighty-two, well, almost eighty-three. So it's not terrible. Add in the advertising, the marketing, it's probably close to ninety million. So it was, I wouldn't say a huge bomb, but yeah, it didn't really make him any money. Aaron Johnson, this was like the first movie. Well, not the first one, but this is like the first like starring role, I think, in a mm-hmm. big budget since he did kick ass. Yeah. It was like the first time where he's like, I'm not as scrawny anymore. Look at me. <laughs> like I'm an adult man now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie, there's some there's some decent action, like, but it's few and far in between. Now I watched the uncut unrated version is that the best version i don't know i i saw it in the theater and then i bought the blu-ray like uh i think last november and i watched the uncut unrated version and there was 11 years in between <laughs> or 10 years <laughs> in between so the 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 unrated version is like 10 minutes longer so there's mm-hmm. they definitely added scenes. I don't know what the differences are specifically. It doesn't. I looked on IMDb. I remember after watching it to see if they listed what the differences were, and it just says it adds like ten minutes. <laughs> it doesn't say what the ten minutes are. Mm-hmm. But there are some scenes where like they they do some torture and stuff, and I would expect that those are probably extended. I don't know what else they would have added, um, but it didn't seem like it was. Like it didn't seem different um, from what I remembered seeing in the th- in the theater. Like it didn't seem like they changed really anything about the story. They probably just added uh, a couple of extra scenes here and there. Yeah, maybe some stuff with Benicio del Toro and his kids and family. I don't know if that was all in the theatrical cut. Um, no, I've I've never seen John Carter. I think the guys over at uh, MMC enjoy it, especially John. I think they were fans of it, actually. But I can tell you that I'm not really a fan of Taylor Kitsch's acting. I don't really think he can hack it, at least not as a lead. Because I remember in True Detective Season 2, I didn't think he was very good in that either. I thought he was the weakest of the, the three leads, or the four leads, I guess, basically. If you count Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams, and uh, Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Aaron Taylor Johnson's fine in here. Blake Lively's fine. Del Toro's good as he usually is. Somehow Hicks fine. There was kind of a, some subplots or I guess there's ways in which the protagonists try to solve their problems and it doesn't really go anywhere at times. <laughs> it's like there's like a whole subplot. I was like, well, you could have just uh, in terms of the story, you could have cut out like a half hour there. Mm-hmm. Seemed kind of pointless. Um. There's things I enjoyed about it. Like I said, that Del Toro's good. John Travolta's, he was uh, entertaining, I guess. <laughs> I wouldn't say he's good or bad. But um, yeah, it was just, I don't know, kind of lackluster for me. So I will give it a last resort. It's a last resort. Oh, boy. I really like this movie. I give mm-hmm. it a soonish. Soonish. Soonish from Brett. That's what I would give it. It's quirky. It's it's pretty quirky for uh like like the two guys share a girlfriend mm-hmm. and uh I mean the two that, cucks have a girl. <laughs> yeah, and then the girlfriend gets kidnapped and like she's just like 
gal palling it up with the uh, female drug lord who kidnapped her <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's it's just so different in a lot of ways from a lot of other movies like that and i like how they like it, it really reminded me a lot of natural born killers in a lot of ways just like how frenetic the, the editing is at times and and uh kind of reminded me of some of the uh, tony scott movies from the, the mid 2000s hmm. um yeah domino and all that i we, we can get to it more in the spoiler section but uh, what about the ending did you, uh, I, I think the ending was pretty divisive. Yeah, I did not care for the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember, like, I liked that ending, and a lot of people didn't. And like, oh, that movie sucks. That ending's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I could see people uh, being entertained by some of the the quirkiness. It's your vault. I mean, the, not that so I necessarily thought, wasn't yeah. entertained by the quirkiness. It just not enough i guess yeah and at the end i was just kind of like meh things i like things i didn't mm-hmm. meh you know i mean it's a bit of a spoiler but they do a fake out ending <laughs> scooby-doo ending number one <laughs> scooby-doo ending number two <laughs> <laughs> and i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i, I liked the yeah. ending yeah so now it's time for me to challenge you to watch a film And we're going back to Bond. Oh, boy. Sign you uh, the spy who loved me. Roger Moore. 77, I believe. All right. Roger Moore's third outing is 007. His movies haven't been too bad yet. Yeah, you've liked uh, both of them they've seen so far. He has uh, some fun films in the series. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another one. I won't say too much about it. I don't want to spoil certain things, but um, yeah. So uh, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the show a little bit, and then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Savages with Spoilers. So you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or bread at positivelywolf1. Uh, Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. Now, Brett, where can people find lovely merchandise that bears our name? Yes, you can find it at wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. All kinds of stuff out there. Check Mm -hmm. it out. All right, more savages. I guess we can start with the ending if you want. Sure. So... Basically, everyone dies in the first ending. That's fake. It's a fake out. It's like a Romeo and Juliet ending. Everybody gets murdered. So basically, it was morphine that he had, and they were just giving each other double doses. Just super romantic. Everybody dies together. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, oh, he's not going to make it. And then he just like kills his friend. And then she's like, well, I don't want to be without him. Okay, I'll kill you. Then I'll kill myself. I mean, I understand Taylor Kitsch is a, who's an Iraq veteran. So he could tell that, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson wasn't going to make it. I think he was shot through the throat. Yeah. It wasn't looking good. So yeah, it was a, it was a kind of a mercy kill there. Give him the morphine. No, if it had ended like that, you'd be, would you be okay with that? Like that was just like the actual, um, 
I would be more okay with what happened because they go just, you know, just kidding. That was the real ending. <laughs> and then they give you the real ending and it's very lackluster. But so like the way I mean it is they present it as two endings, right? They give you the fake out and then there's the quote unquote real ending. Yeah. But if they would have just given the either one, I guess would have been better than a fake out. Yeah. I feel yeah. like. But you would you would prefer if they didn't do the the fake uh, exaggerated ending. You would just go right to the real one versus doing the the fake one and then ending there. Yeah, because um, I mean it's a it's one of those things. Like, it's a choice. It's a, it's a choice. <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely go that way uh, if you if the fake ending was real. You know, it's like well, that's one way to do it. You know, you could kind of see it and. I wouldn't have been thrilled with it, but I've been like, oh, okay, whatever. And then, then you're, so, then you're like, how did she narrate the whole movie? She's been dead the whole time. Well, in the beginning, she does <laughs> say that, you know, I could be dead by the end of this. That's you right. Know? Yeah. So you, you know, going in that she could die. And then uh, the, the fake ending, it's basically, no, they're just going to go to jail. And John Travolta pulls a double cross. Cause he's kind of been playing both sides the whole movie. Yeah, Del Toro crosses uh, Selma Hayek because he feels disrespected by her. Mm-hmm. And he's going to jump ship to go to join another cartel. I love Del Toro in this movie. Yeah, the other cartel would disrespect him as well because Del Toro is talking shit to him in the beginning when he kills that uh, member of that cartel, whoever that was. I forget. Uh, Damien Bashir, I think. Is that? No, not that guy. guy. Damien Bashir was part of Selma Hayek's that they framed for, or they put the money in his account. Talking about earlier mm. in the movie when, um, when he gets the guy to call that other cartel dude. And so he's yeah. listening over the phone, I think. That wasn't, yeah, I know, I think I know what you're talking about. It wasn't Bashir, was it? No, it was some other dude. Was that Shea Wiggum? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was him. It was him in that, it was, it was like his family's home. Cause, yeah, because they show up as the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, because he's the lawyer for that. He's the lawyer, right, for the cartels? I think so, yeah. And then he, like, eats his sandwich or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, that was a good scene. I like that. I'm thinking the baseball, uh, the Little League baseball scene might have been added to the uncut version. But I don't remember. It's been so long since I've seen the theatrical. You know, where like he's he's getting mad at his wife for letting her their daughter uh, wear her slutty clothes or whatever. Mm-hmm. The subplot involving them knocking off stash houses for Selma Hayek's cartel. You know, they knock one off and steal three million because they're trying mm-hmm. to get enough money to buy Lake Lively back. But they do one and they're like, you know, it's generated a lot of heat. I don't think we can do it anymore. Well, let's just kidnap her daughter. <laughs> it's like they just like they go into all this effort planning out how they're going to do it and like they have a pretty good alibis like they work out all the alibis although del toro is still like dead certain it's them so i don't know if they kind of just got spooked out by him or everything else but like you know what we shouldn't do any more of these so that's like i mean that was a cool action scene you know they said they ambushed these this cartel stash house and with these IEDs and, you know, he has all these uh, army buddies that help him out whenever they need to kill people, basically. 
Yeah, sweet. They blow up some some trucks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it's like, yeah, let's not do that. That's not going to work. <laughs> and then like, we'll just kidnap her daughter. Well, I can't remember when they found out that she had a daughter. Because I feel like once they figured out that they that she had a daughter, like in the town where they where they were at, it was like, well, let's do that eye for an eye. Like it'll be easier than you know risking our lives for all this other shit. Mm-hmm. Although it's still risky to go after the daughter of a cartel because she's supposed to be protected by you know against other cartels trying to kidnap her. Because right, Selma Hayek already had one kid that was killed. But like the daughter was so like uh, it was such like a, a thing where she's like embarrassed by her mom. And so she doesn't want anything to do with her. Like uh, that type of relationship. And uh, so, yeah, she wasn't taking the same kind of precautions that her mom wanted her to. And then they call up Selma Hayek and they're still wearing their masks for no reason. <laughs> so like the very end of the video, they finally take them off. <laughs> It's like, we know who you are. <laughs> you want Blake Lively back. You don't have to keep wearing the mask. But yeah, there's just some weird things like that that just kind of didn't make sense. And I don't know, threw me off. There's one scene where John Travolta pulls up to meet him somewhere and he just like throws a whole like fast food cup of pop into his open car window. That, that was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't laugh pretty hard at that. <laughs> <laughs> like jesus christ that's gonna splash all over your upholstery. <laughs> yeah like there was a heavy hit when he threw it in there like that's at least a half a cup of ice if not more like pop or whatever else he was drinking <laughs> yeah i think that was the biggest laugh in the movie for me <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny yeah john yeah. travolta is definitely uh him and del toro are probably the the high points for me I think this might have been Travolta's like bald debut. Well, he's just but, keeping it real short. Uh, yeah, but like he he went with the buzz cut. You could see the the male pattern baldness. Yep. It wasn't uh, this was this right after he caught got caught wearing the wig at that award show, where like he was uh, buzz cut at home, and they went to an award show the next day, and he had his <laughs> hair grown out like two inches. Yeah, I'm not sure because I remember what he was presenting at the Oscars in like what 2018 or 2019. And he said that Hispanic woman's name incorrectly that everyone was giving him shit for. Like, he got her name wrong. And the nominee's name wrong. Yeah. It was um, Dina Menzel or something. Dina or? Menzel. It's uh she was an uncut gems, but it was for frozen. Okay. Uh, so that would have was... been 2015 or something. I forget, but uh I can't remember her real name now. She was uh, she was the wife in Uncut Gems. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because because <laughs> he had a full head of hair when he was doing that. <laughs> That's three four years after this movie. Yeah, I, I, it was interesting that he's like, "Well, we're gonna go. It's gonna be a choice, you know. Like we're gonna take it down." <laughs> Really flaunting the bald look nowadays, though. The Oscars, he's looking good bald with that beard and look good dancing up there. A highlight of the Oscars. Him and Uma <laughs> dancing. That's why we watch, Brett. That's why we watch the Oscars. Not for celebrity deathmatch. I thought it was weird because they're like, it's the 28th anniversary. Like, <laughs> why are we celebrating the 28th anniversary? Like, everything else is like 50th or 40th or 30th. 
And they do anniversaries for different things. You know, they did the Bond one, the 60th anniversary, which was good, but I would have wanted it to be like another five minutes. Like it deserved, I think, like a full 10 minute segment. But they usually have random people or like random anniversaries. Although I don't remember them saying it's the 28 year anniversary for Pulp Fiction. I just remember them saying like, oh, there's, you know, this is the people from Pulp Fiction. They did say that. It was a okay. They did. There was like before they went to the commercial, like coming up, we celebrate the 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction. Okay. I'm like, okay, so I get White Man can ju- Can't Jump was 30th. Mm-hmm. Bond was 60. Godfather was 50. Although Godfather, they, they did the whole trilogy. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it was weird. They're like 28th. But then they, they had a couple other ones that were like 20th or uh, 25th, which makes sense. But it, it, it was such an odd number. Like, yeah. You, you think these guys are going to be dead in two years? Like, you can't wait. Mm-hmm. They typically do a, a random, some random presenters. It's like, remember, she won uh, Best Supporting Actress in 1987, and here she is, <laughs> you know, presenting. It's like, it's it's been... 33 years you know they kind of do stuff like that but yeah i guess usually they don't say it's the 29th anniversary <laughs> right but yeah all right well anything else you want to talk about with savages i know you gotta get out the door soon you're going to see a movie tonight what are you gonna see uh you were not alone oh we had a special screening of that last night at the theater it's not playing at the theater close to me so i gotta go to the one over towards your neck of the woods mm-hmm. um yep seen that today seeing morbius tomorrow on the dolby <laughs> there you go so yeah uh savages i don't know like, i thought it was funny i thought the action was great it's just like a, a lot of different types of things that you don't always see in those types of movies um performances are fantastic but yeah, I know. Like the like I said, the the ending was definitely divisive, and uh, I don't know. Like, I guess I just like it a lot, and uh, I think it gets a, a bad rap for for not great reasons mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Well, I appreciate the effort. All right, all right. Well, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Bye. Man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you lost my case.